For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Good evening. Welcome to Today's Entrepreneur presented by FL Montreal, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar along with FL Montreal's Josh Miller. Welcome back, Josh. Hello, Dan. How did you enjoy Mi your trip? Missed you last week. Yeah. Uh, well, two weeks ago. Oh, two weeks ago. That's last right. Last week was Victoria Day. Oh, that, that is true. That's been a true. While. But, but España was amazing. Muy bien. And muy bien. Absolutamente. And uh, it was full of life, full of... The economy is actually doing super nice there. So maybe it was the fact that it was May and people were on vacation and the old town is always good. But there's no question that uh, España is uh, muy bien. Excellent. Uh, this evening, we're going to talk to Frederic Wa of Paramedic. So this is a company that does a lot of medical supplies. And uh, we're also going to deal with mergers and acquisitions on the program today. And you're going to be the expert. So later, I'm going to quiz you about how to do a merger or, or an acquisition successfully, including how to figure out what exactly you're buying and how to bring those two organizations together. So that's I look I look forward to your grilling me, Dan. Coming up later on the program. Uh, but first, as usual, entrepreneurial news and notes of the week. And uh, anything you want to talk about, by the way, based on your on your trip, uh, Josh? Anything come up uh, business wise there that you uh, noticed? I think the, the the one thing that stood out because I was I was very much a tourist in these places, and the question is how do businesses deal with tourists? And th the fact is, as long as they make it really simple, because there were a couple of places that didn't really work out so well from a tourist standpoint, but the ones that did. You know, it was it was easy to get tickets online. The lines were 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 easy to get through. The tours and the and the explanations were were good. The restaurant, the the hotels themselves that were trying to appease to it. That's what really stood out to me. And the ones that did it well did it super well. There were a couple of hotels, local hotels that did it really well. That guided us. That gave us restaurant and and tourist attraction locations. That gave us kind of quick fixes to what could have been a much slower. That's really it. So for me, it was all about client and customer service than anything else. And that's what stood out for me. So my trip to Spain was just emphasizing the fact that client service is everywhere in the world because we see it here. Uh, you see, you do it. You see it. I see it. I do it. Uh, Paramedic Canada. There's no question they do it as well. It's all around the world, and if you do it well, you will go back. Because I did go on TripAdvisor, or I will, for a couple of places that I haven't written yet, and I will comment on the fact of how helpful people were. Very nice. Um, this uh, story we want to get to from the Globe and Mail recently. Seven takeaways from Canada's top small business leaders. Um, I, it's interesting. Is, this quote is interesting. Uh, when you're running a small business, nothing is beneath you. That was now, one of the stories that came out of this uh, this conference. And uh, the reality Toronto. is, and, and you know, and I and I'm I'm looking at Frederick, and he's kind of nodding his head already. The reality is, when you're running a business, whether you're starting one, whether you bought one, whether you're in a mature stage and doing it. Nothing should be beneath you. You should be able to be involved and deal with anything and everything that the company does because then you can profess how well or how poorly it's getting done. Then you can sit in your in your customer's shoes or your supplier's shoes and understand it best. Then you can sit in your human resource, your employees, your team member's shoes and understand what they're going through. So when somebody says nothing is beneath you, it's more about what you can do better than anything else. 
the, uh, they have a few points here, including, uh, you know, walk a mile in your client's shoes. This one is interesting, though. Uh, borrow when you don't need it. That is that is something I hope most businesses understand. When you're doing well, because the banks, you know, when you're doing poorly, banks don't want to lend to you. You really got to prove yourself a hundred ways to from here to next Saturday. When you're doing well, it's much easier to get your line of credit. It's much easier to get your term term loan. When you're doing well, go for it. Get your get your umbrella on a rainy day. Not everybody understands it. Not everybody thinks about it, right? Because everything's going so well. What do I need a bank loan for? You know what? Negotiate it when you're doing well so that when you're not doing well, you don't have to dig through the trenches and do it again. So that's something that I think as as much as entrepreneurs, many entrepreneurs I deal with understand it, not everybody realizes it day to day. So go for it and do it. So get the loan approved, but don't necessarily, I mean, do, do you want people to to invest it as they're booming or just kind of set it aside for a rainy day? Get it while it's approved so you have it for that rainy day. You're perfectly correct, Dan, because you never know when you need it. And when you're doing well, that's the perfect time to do it. I think the uh, the other thing uh, that, that came out in this article, and there was a comment that says, not all about the idea. I'm going to kind of adjust that a little bit. It's not about all about the original idea. Everybody's trying to look for an original idea. You know what? If you have an original idea, great. If it's going to make money, great. But you know what? There's so many great ideas worldwide because it's not just about Montreal. It's not just about our locally, local little environment worldwide. If you can find an idea that's working super well in some other part of the world that's not working here, who's to say you have to reinvent the wheel? Who's to say that you have to need to go out and try something brand new? Get that idea. It's working super well elsewhere. You can kind of imagine doing it here in Quebec, in Canada, and apply it here. And I think that's really one of the aspects of it's not all about the idea. It's not all about the original idea. It's about bringing it to the right place at the right time. Uh, this uh, new website that you wanted to uh, bring up a blog from, uh, businessknowhow.com, they read an article entitled, What to Know Before You Buy a Franchise. This is interesting because we've dealt with a lot of uh, franchisors and franchisees in the program. Um, what was the, the takeaway for, for you? Because it is sort of this, this prefab model, so I think a lot of people assume there's going to be very few headaches. And, you know, with, with franchises, and we can probably spend a whole hour just talking franchises. We've had some, some entrepreneurs on there. But there's a few things that definitely uh, stand out for me. And, again, not to, not to be all-inclusive or, or really rule out all the questions. But first and foremost, can you follow somebody else's rules? You know, it's a great idea. Yes, go, go get the right franchise and all that. But can you follow somebody else's rules? Because as a franchisee, you need to really say, okay, I'm. I need to sell this product. I need to sell in that way. It's marketed in that fashion. Yes, you might be able to adjust it slightly for your local market, but at the end of the day, there's a lot of rules to follow. So, are you a rule follower? That being said, do you love the product you're selling? If you're going to get into a franchise, you got to really be in tune and love that product that you're selling. So, if you can love it and live it and breathe it, well, then it might be easier to follow all those rules. This piece from entrepreneur.com, and uh, this is a this is one that speaks to me. Five things entrepreneurs should never post on social media. I'll read them out really quickly. So, uh, politics and religion. Dan, All... Dan, you know you 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 sometimes have politics and religion in posts that you have, right? But not rarely religion. Politics, yes. So, so do you, what do you think, Dan? Do you do you think in a business world you should display your politics? Is it too? Are are you going to alienate some clients? What do you profess? 
Generally speaking, no. However, some businesses are inherently political, and those businesses, yes, they do need to take stands once in a while. And some some high profile entrepreneurs um, are involved in political battles, whether they want to or not. I'm thinking of, um, you know, people that might be up against certain regulations, uh, people who uh, who might be defending clients that are in a certain industry. So in that case, yes, absolutely, it's okay to take political stances, but you have to do it with the utmost uh, caution, of course. And you don't want to really piss off some of your customers because yep. they might be left, they might be right, but it might be middle, uh, whatever is. It, I guess it depends on on the business that you're in. Are you in a professional business? Are you just selling a product? Are you involved in a, in, a, in an industry that's very fraction from a, call it a NAFTA standpoint or mm-hmm. USMCA or whatever you want whatever you want to call it from a, a North American agreement or US-Mexico-Canada agreement? I guess it depends on the industry you're in. But sometimes if, you, if you're on the right side of history and if your company's perspective is on the right side of politics, yeah, go ahead and double down. And if you're convinced that you're right, history will show that you're right. And that could bring serious benefits in the long term. This is part of the PR that I do because we don't work with governments necessarily, but we work with entrepreneurs who occasionally can be political. And it's super important to express yourself once in a while and to, and to make a, a difference, yes, in a, in a polite and diplomatic way. But nonetheless, sometimes you have to put the pedal to the metal. No question. I agree fully. And, and as we've said in multiple times before on this program, Dan, the customers need a reason to go into your store, need a reason to buy from you. Are you giving them the right reason? Do you need to give them a business reason? Do you need to give them a product reason, a service reason? Or does it help to also give that political, that opinion reason that might help them drive in? Can't say there's a one answer for all, mm-hmm. but definitely something to consider. More appealing for, for millennials, by the way, to have some of those political stances. I'll read the other note, the other parts of the, the top five list here real quick. Uh, all you all the time, something to avoid. Negative stuff about your clients or the world around you. Excessive updates and non-social content. So basically stuff that creates a distraction, I think, is one way to. Excessive updates. That's an interesting one because, yeah. you know, what do you, what do you really keep telling people? Anyhow, there's it's a whole longer discussion than that, but uh, definitely things to keep uh, keep in mind. Let's get it going. Today's Entrepreneur on CJAD 800. On the way, we're going to talk to Frédéric Wa of Paramedic. And then Josh discusses mergers and acquisitions later in the show, how to know what you're buying, and how to successfully come together. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, Chartered Professional Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Inspiring stories from outstanding business people, Dan Delmar and FL Montreal's Josh Miller with you for today's Entrepreneur. And this evening, let's welcome our guest, Fred Waugh of Paramedic. Welcome to CJD, Fred. Thanks for having me. And, you know, we're, we're, I have actually a ton of questions about the mergers and acquisition because there is, there's a whole story behind how Fred got into Paramedic and how he bought it. But we're going to really keep that towards the end of the program. But before we get there, we're, we're going to start and say, Frederick, what is Paramedic Canada? Yeah, Paramedic is a company that sells, manufactures and distributes and sells first aid products, safety kits and orthopedic products, some diagnostic apparel as well. Um, I believe that we are coming to a point where we are a market leader in Quebec. We are progressing a lot in the rest of the country. Um, so this is where we stand in terms of uh, the size of, of, of where we are. And it was did it always start with first aid supplies? Did it develop into anything else? Uh, we bought the business in 2012. So we completed our sixth year in January. Uh, it was initially a company that was outsourcing most of its product. So we uh, 
obviously bringing in from from elsewhere in the world to Canada, our uh, first aid bandages, tapes. We moved that to obviously we still have the first aid business. We we beefed it up quite a bit on the one hand, um, but we grew it uh, into a, a much larger company with a larger stance. I find uh, we grew in orthopedic uh, garments a lot, and and that's a very um, we're having a lot of success with our portfolio right now with with this uh, this segment. The safety kits is an adjacent uh, segment, I would say, to the first aid business and and that's a part uh, where we've been able to diversify our customer base as well so obviously you know demographics being what they are um you expect this to be a growth industry in the coming decades did the though did that kind of generational demographic reality factor into your decision to get in this business yes yes definitely um we are i, I was talking about first aid you know we are competing against a lot of multinational but i believe that our product offering is is uh just going over and above what these guys are offering and and we're offering these simple specialties that that the home care uh, people for instance needs there's a lot of home care uh, services that are needed right now a lot of people wants to stay longer in their home uh, the one day operation for instance the hospital system cannot take more than 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 what it is right now nor so, do patients necessarily want yeah. to stay there even yeah. longer so you need home care uh, services, nurse coming at home to change your bandages, CLSC. that sort of things. Yes, and and we are supplying a lot of that industry through our retailer clients. Uh, and obviously, to your point, Dan, yes, uh, it was a major factor in our decision to buy the company. Now, Fred, where did your background come from? Were you in the medical ex field before that? Like, how did you get into this even? Well, uh, long story, but you know, I'm the son of a pharmacist, uh, the grandson of a pharmacist too. So we've always been into that business for, you know, to start with. I started my career as an accountant. I worked in capital markets. We don't market. hold that against you. We love accountants yeah. on this program. <laughs> Obviously. But, you know, uh, I was covering, I was in capital market. I was mostly working with the healthcare sector. And that has helped me a lot to get into the, the, the business initially. But uh, we'll, we'll talk about that later, M&A and all. But I believe that I have a partner that, that's doing, uh, that's helping me greatly. He was a sales representative in the medical field as well. And, and uh, you know, um, the mix of competencies whenever you're getting into a business is very important. So I think we've been lucky enough, me and my partner, to, to complete each other um, and, and, and to, uh, to, to, to get where we want to get. Your partner is family, though, right? Yep, yeah, brother. Now, you're you and your brother. You you've been in this business. You you're you're working it together. Do you get along? Do you have formal meetings? What do you happen when you disagree? Do you do you have specific roles between the two of you? Um, you know, we're we're, we're family, so obviously uh, there there's certain things that. Um, Quite frankly, we do have our core competency, each other. So so we respect the fact that he's good in some parts of the business, I'm good in some other parts. I wouldn't step on his toes for certain things and he wouldn't do the same for, for some others. So I think, you know, complementary skills is, is a very important thing. That's what we have. So we're lucky enough to uh, to have that. No, excellent. And you're you're how many people today in your in your firm? Uh varying depending on the, the, the seasons, but between twenty and thirty. Now, when you first started, you first bought this business, how many were you? It was one. It was me. Uh, everything else was outsourced. Uh, my my partner joined me two months later. Now, how did that go? I mean, you're, this is six plus years ago yeah. where everything was outsourced. It was just one, and you're now 20 to 30 people. 
What was the progression like? Why did you want to change from everything outsourced to hiring your own people? Well, on paper, initially, I'm an accountant, so I've looked at this, this, uh, the transaction. I, I worked on many transactions uh, in in my uh, career or prior to to making that that move. Um, a lot of these services, like the Salesforce, was outsourced. The warehouse management was outsourced. Account management was outsourced. On paper, it looks well because it looks like variable costs. So you kind of think that your edge on the way down on the way up your PL will always make sense for that reason but the truth is whenever you want to press the gas you 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 have a third party you know else, yeah. exactly and and you know not that they're doing wrong but you know they work for themselves so it's never as good as if you do it yourself so we've made that move to integrate logistic first then um, warehouse management um, then the sales force, then the account management, all of these things obviously ended up with a larger cost structure, but uh, it was it was well worth it, and that that has enabled us to multiply revenues in six years by more than four times. So obviously, you know, that's uh, something's working. Yeah, something's working. Was it difficult to establish a, a value for that business before buying it, given that everything was sort of not centralized? Dan, you're you're cutting into our last moment of the you're show. You're right. Let's but let's let's, let's but put it's, it's in a that great way. question, by the way, and I, I do want to hear the answer <laughs> because there's so much to talk about. But but let, let's go let's go with that. D- determining a value, I think that that's huge. Well, obviously, you know, uh, you have a PNL, you have you have a value. Uh, you, you you would apply if you want to go simplistic. Uh, you'd apply a multiple to the earnings and do what everybody does. But the truth is that it's a lot more complex than that. Um, I whenever I was in capital market. Uh, if you deal with a multinational, you know, with, with very large operations, uh, you know, dealing with, with uh, uh, this kind of organization make it so that, you know, the, the strength of customer base, that sort of things is, is, is less of a risk. But when you're dealing with the smaller companies, do they really deserve a five times a bit the multiple considering, you know, their, their dependencies on one or two customers? And if these customers are just running away, then, you know, they have nothing else. Uh, the strength of these companies is, is is not the same as as the larger companies I've been working for before and 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 uh, been covering before and and uh, it makes a huge difference in terms of valuation. That's when you're think. when you're 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 going outsourcing and you're you're deciding to go right into hiring your own people. What's the first step? Do you look outside of your world? Do you do you just post online? What do you look for quickly? Just before we go to break, mm-hmm. is there anything quick that you you were looking at? before when you're going from outsourcing to having some of your own people? Well, quite frankly, it happens the, the other way, Josh. It, it, you know, it, it, we wanted to do that. We've been looking for it, but you know, it's always an opportunity that an opportunity that comes up and you have to seize it. And that's what happened to us. Uh, we had a chance to hire a very good groups of sales reps. Um, that's an opportunity we didn't miss. We had an opportunity to to uh, integrate vertically our operations, uh, and and that's an opportunity we didn't miss. So it, it it goes the other way. Although you want to plan everything, it's never really happening that way. Sometimes it falls in your lap, and sometimes you just have to, like you say, seize the opportunity, be opportunistic about it. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's huge. And I, and I, and as we go on and we talk more about the marketing, and eventually when we talk about the merger and acquisition that you made at Paramedic, I think that will also become evident. Fredois of Paramedic, our guest this evening on Today's Entrepreneur. So we'll, talk, we'll get to that mergers and acquisitions talk in a little bit. And Josh will have his advice and, and marketing, HR, and more issues on the way on Today's Entrepreneur. 
For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Welcome back to Today's Entrepreneur, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. Dan Delmar and FL Montreal's Josh Miller with you, as usual, on a Monday night. And our guest this evening is Fred Roy of Paramedic. They make uh, medical supplies. And uh, Fred, you bought this business. It was 2012, correct? Yeah. And uh, so tell me about um, getting into this business and, and dealing with some of the big players in the industry. You know, we know uh, a lot of the chains and, and everything, and, and now you're well established. But how did you get into those chains, and how did you find dealing with these, uh, these large conglomerates? Well, initially, when we bought the business, um, we had clients, mostly pharmacy clients in Quebec. So um, obviously, we diversified that over the, the six year we ran the business. Um, but yes, obviously, you, you need to be in touch with these people. They have a negotiator, every single chain have their own negotiator negotiating every single category. So you need to sell your product. You need to get their buy-in. You need to get the, the what they call the planograms. Uh, which is a retail suggestion that gets pushed down to the stores. And then you need to explain to the stores once you're there uh, how to sell your product, what they do, and what, what they should say to your uh, your customers. You know, pharmacies are, are businesses where you have uh, sometimes 20, 25 piece people working. So you need to, and, and very often uh, you have specialists by different sections. Um, so, so cosmetic, uh, orthopedics, first aid, and, and depending on the, so you need to educate the, the, these people uh, as it goes, you know, to make sure that you optimize your uh, opportunities. So when you're when you're thinking marketing, because we're we're kind of delving into the marketing aspect, is it more about education? Is it more about blasting and trying to get visibility of the brand name? Where where do you focus, or is it really everything? It's both. Um, it's both. Uh, obviously, we we tried different things at the very beginning. Uh, some were okay, some were not. I f- we found that it's always for where we are right now. It's it's always better to do these kind of initiatives to run these kind of initiatives through your clients. So, for instance, the pharmacies have a lot of marketing initiatives through their their uh, flyers. Their you know. Uh, do they, do they impose it on you or are you part of the They decision? don't impose it, but obviously it's, it's a business relationship. So you want to get in, uh, obviously to create an incentives to deal with you, but also to get to, to, to get the benefits of and the visibility. You know, their websites, uh, some of, of the retailers in, in, in Quebec uh, and, and elsewhere in Canada have a very visible websites and they get a lot of traffic. So you're able to post description of your products, what do they do, how to use it, uh, you can sell your products on their websites as well. So there's different things you could do. Uh, you know, the point is always to reach uh, customers and, and, and make sure that they understand your brand, know who you are. Now, in reaching customers, when you first started out, was there anything you did that kind of worked or didn't work? <laughs> yes, um, but obviously, you know, it, it was probably a mistake, but we went to television right away without having full Well, you're a beautiful person. You should be on TV for that. <laughs> No, I, I I wasn't on TV, but the advertisement was, and and we got calls uh, for the these products that were advertised. Except that that the distribution wasn't perfect, and uh, it wasn't into the main retailers. So we got calls saying, "Well, you have a beautiful products, but 
unfortunately, we cannot find it. So where should we go? Uh, we sort of, you know, a little premature. So yeah. you had a great ad, but you didn't necessarily have the backup to supply it yet. Exactly. So it was good for the visibility, but it did not materialize into a direct sales. And today, what do you do for marketing that works for you today? Um, we worked a lot with the direct clients or so the pharmacies. We go to buying shows, trade shows. Uh, we work with the flyers. We go on the web. Uh, you know, social media as well is, is something that we do more and more. I uh, think we are developing our competencies. We need to be present in all these fairs, the, all the, the um, marketplace where, you know, customers are shopping. So Amazon is now a reality. You need to be there. Uh, pharmacy is a reality. You need to be there. Uh, office supply is, is, a, is a sales channel that we've developed over the years. Uh, you know, it's a complete different market if you compare to retail, but you need to be there. You, so. you, you briefly touched right at the, at the earlier on of the program about being a little vertical, going from, you know, what you're outsourcing everything to really trying to doing a little bit more yourself. Can you describe that and how you evolved into that? Oh, you mean you mean the the operation correct, side of the business? Correct. Um, yes, obviously. Um, was as I said, you know, opportunity came up, and we seized this opportunity. We've been able to to. Uh, we are very hands-on people. First of all, I think I think it's a characteristic of us, me and my partner, uh, and we have a team that's very committed. We've been lucky enough to, uh, you know, bring in the right people at the right time. You know, it, it's very often in business, it's how you seize opportunity and how you you uh, you make it happen, right? So, you know, the group of uh, salespeople we hired were very respected into the, the, the province of Quebec. That has helped a lot, the strength of the brand of Permedic. That has helped us to, to um, build our credibility on the one hand, get a lot more mandates as well um, and and in terms of product development you know these these people the account managers that we have hired uh, had a lot of experience so obviously combined with us uh, because you know obviously there's a tactical aspect to it as I just mentioned with the sales force but it's also you know the fundamentals the tools that you have your product portfolio the the products that you sell you know you, you go you go playing the game with something right so we have a beautiful uh, and a very innovative product line for orthopedic products, for instance. So that's that's uh, something that we do well. It gets a lot of attention. Uh, obviously, marketing it on the one hand is, is very important and explaining it on the other is too. So um, I, I think, you know, that that's the way we, you know, that duality is, is very important when when. Is it, uh, do, you, do you find, do you see yourself, especially with the rise in more home care, uh, shifting more f to a direct-to-consumer model? And and, what, and are there more challenges with, with that consumer model? Um, obviously, we need to respect our, our retail customers. So it's something that we, we always want to be careful with. Um, but yes, truly, we, we, we go on Amazon because there's a marketplace on Amazon. Uh, the bulk of our sales remain with, with the retailers at this point. Um, you know, I, again, I think it's about you know, being where the customers are. You know, we are into the industrial market right now. We have become probably one of the top three safety kit manufacturers in this country. Uh, office supply, we have done a good run and we have more to go. Uh, retail, you know, orthopedic line, again, is getting a lot of traction, a lot of attention, and we have a lot of people to see still. Uh, you know, we'll probably have two or three more very fast uh, year 
of growth coming up to us. Now, what about supply chain? You know, you're you're buying your goods. You're you're trying to source local. You're buying from overseas as well. Yeah. How did how did that work into your business plan? Um, well, initially it was a pure outsourcing model. Now now it's different. Uh, we are manufacturing. Our goal is to manufacture products with some kind of value added. I mean, there's 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 products in in, in that we sell that we will never be able to manufacture. That's the only that that's so. Just do you source product. them from like China, Taiwan, Taiwan, that kind of? China? Obviously, there, there's no other possibility. There might be another low cost country uh, because China is getting more expensive, as everybody knows. But the truth is that you know some a lot of these products will never come back to Canada. However, uh, orthopedic products, safety kits, uh, and some others, some others because of the regulation, some others products, you know, there's an opportunity to manufacture it profitably, obviously, in this country. And and we are doing part of that now. We're launching a lab division at Paramedic. Uh, we have a lot of uh, retail, well, private label demand uh, at this point. Obviously, we're going to fabricate products for Paramedic as well. And, um, so is, is that what's next? Like, what's next yes, for Paramedic? Yeah, that, that's yeah. that's a clear next step for us. You know, a vertical integration that will probably help the profitability of the company, but uh, also enable us to manufacture the products the way we want it to be manufactured. All right, today's entrepreneur on CJ8800. More with Fedroy of Paramedic, including his one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur. And coming up next, Josh discusses mergers and acquisitions, so how to know what you're buying and how to bring two organizations together successfully. So that is on the way. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, Chartered Professional Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Welcome back. Today's Entrepreneur on CJAD 800, inspiring stories from outstanding business people, Dan Delmar and FL Montreal's Josh Miller with you. And our guest is Fedwa of Paramedic. So we'll have his one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur uh, coming up on the way. Uh, but first, Josh, talking about mergers and acquisitions, and you're the expert for this evening. For this evening. Thank you, Dan. For <laughs> I mean, you're out. always the expert, but <laughs> on this this evening. Uh, so first, um, you have you see an opportunity as an entrepreneur. You know, may, maybe it's to merge with someone or to acquire someone. What what are some of the basics of due diligence when you start to get into this exercise? I think I think the first thing that that comes to my mind. I mean, there's so many things, and we just won't do it justice in the next five minutes or so. But know what you're buying. I mean, really, really trying to get un to understand what you're buying, and 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 I I feel. Frederick, you know, he's in, in his mind. He's like, okay, I got to know what I'm buying. He, he bought his business six six plus years ago, and we'll we'll come to it in a moment. But really, know what you're buying. There's so many different aspects of the business. There's a product. There's a service. There's the people. There's the processes. There's the technology. There's contracts. There's obligations. There's so many aspects to know what you're buying. You really got to wrap your head around it. And the entrepreneur, the 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 buyer, him or herself, may or may not understand all aspects. But you better make sure if you don't understand all the aspects, you better make sure you find somebody that understands all the aspects because you're buying everything. Typically, you're buying everything. You're not just picking and choosing what you want. You might be doing that, but chances are you're not. You're buying the entire business. So knowing what you're buying is 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 truly key. Very motherhood, and, we, and we'll delve into a little bit of the specifics, but know what you're buying first. And, and I would say that, you know, customers and suppliers – has got to be up there, you know, the top five of, of what you know you're buying because will the customer stay with you? 
Are they really linked to individual or are they linked to the company themselves? Suppliers, do they have specific contracts? Are you are you obligated to buy certain things from them? Do they have certain, uh, I'm not going to say kickbacks, but certain rebates or, you know, if you buy certain volume discounts, you know, what 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 is involved with it? So that that's a really big aspect. And, and before I get into the other, I'm, I'm actually going to turn to Frederick and say, when you, Fred, when you were, when you were buying paramedic, you know, what surprises, what, what was the first thing that stood out to you as to what you needed to look for, uh, when you were buying paramedic? Well, as you said, there was many things. I mean, to, to make a successful acquisition, you need to have industry knowledge, the tactical aspect of it, not just, not just what everybody knows, but obviously you need to know the, the roots of, of the business you're jumping in. Whether you're getting this through employees that are staying with, with the business or, or you know it, you know, up front. In our case, uh, it, it was something that was lacking a little bit, and that's how we had to adjust very quickly. Were you surprised with anything? Well, obviously, I, I, I've been in M&A for, for a number of years, almost 10 years you know, prior to doing that transaction. I, I did you know, participate to a lot of, of uh, acquisition, uh, participated to, to the, the contracts, uh, uh, the, the negotiation of the contracts and all these things. To me, whenever you you were putting something on paper, obviously you were you were buying it, right? Um, in our case, you know, the the, the the sellers of the company wasn't on, it wasn't his understanding at all. So you know, and and, and a, a lot of things were said on paper, were clarified very well, like I used to do it before. Except that in reality, it wasn't the case. And there was two or three things that were major factors that could have been a, a, a dangerous for us. I mean, we had to adapt very quickly. So what was on paper didn't actually turn out to be true necessarily? Not everything. And and then a, a few things were, were major things. Obviously, you know, you do what everybody does. You keep a balance of payment. You do all of these things, except that well, obviously you, you believe that it's enough for the seller to, to, to say everything that needs to be said. Uh, but sometimes it's not the case, and and you know you end up with uh, two years of you know lawyers and and all a lot of a lot of things that that just takes up your energy, uh, your time, your mind. You're not building your business when you're doing this. You're fighting for yourself, uh, for your life sometimes. So a lot of uh, you know my banging my head on uh, on my desk, uh, not sleeping at night. But you know fortunately enough. After almost two years, we got out with a side deal and we won our case. And then uh, we got the business growing uh, very well. So, Josh, I mean, you're looking at the bottom line, obviously. You know, is it profitable now? How long has it been profitable? What other uh, aspects, when you're digging into the financials, uh, is important to, to take note of? Uh, there's Okay, on the financial side, there's definitely, I mean, there there's the hidden costs. There's understanding some of, you know, understanding the business because is it a product business, is it a service business? Uh, you know, what what are the, is it a, a technology business? Because is that what's going to drive the bottom line? Do you have the right intellectual property? Do you have the right rights, if you will? Do you have the right uh, dollars invested behind that? Projections, you know, you're going to be projections. When you value a company, and valuation is a huge aspect of it, when you value a company, are you valuing it on the past, on the current, on the future? And what what amount or what average do you take versus past, present, and future? And part of and there's there's a good part of it that comes with the story. There's a good part of what is the most representative of the company you're buying. If the company in the last five years wasn't very representative, but in the current year is the most representative because of changes in technology and people and where the market is going, you might 
put a lot more weight into that and a little bit more on the projection than you, than you will in the past. So it very much is based on a lot about the type of business that you're in. But what I can tell you, notwithstanding when Frédéric first bought his business where it was all outsourced and there was nobody, human resource factor is huge. If you're going to buy a business and there's a lot of people in that business, you better do your due diligence on those people. On those th that management team, those key people, those key team players, key employees, key management, you better do a lot of homework on them because if they're the ones driving that business, there's no question that they're, that's a huge factor in a, in a potential future success. Finally, how long does this process take typically? And when it's over, the work doesn't end there, right? What, what do you have to watch for after the deal? You know, to negotiate a, an LOI, letter of intent, and to make sure that whole go, that whole transaction goes through. Part of it is the business people. Part of it is the, the entrepreneurs. Part of it is the lawyers. They might delay a transaction. But equally important is once you finally get that deal done, you have to integrate. You have to make sure that that things work well afterwards. And and that's that's not always an easy thing because you might be integrating people with like other people that you that you bought as part of the business deal with your own people. You might have to merge processes. You might have to change certain things. So there's a whole integrations and I would never downplay and Dan, I'm going to use this word that you live by communication. If you can't communicate properly internally and externally, uh, internally to your people, externally to your customers and suppliers, you are dead in the water. So I know that's just a brief aspect of the whole mergers and acquisitions, but there's definitely a lot of lot of aspects and a lot of information that you need to go through and 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 really live and ask the right questions. Thank you very much, Josh Miller. Now hey. we turn to Josh Miller <laughs> now to wrap turn, up the Now show. we turn back to myself, schizophrenic as I am. And as we approach the mass last one of our shows we do each week, we'll turn to Frederic Roy of Paramedic, Paramedic Canada, and ask you, Fred, what would be your one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur? Well, there's many things again, but but um, I would say you know it's, it's it's believing in yourself. You know, you need to have a. Fortunately enough, in my case, I had a partner who helped me a lot on, on this. I'm an accountant, so I always try to see you know balance the good and and the bad things and make up my mind on you know how how we should go. But being with a, a marketing guy, you know, who's always extremely positive. Uh, has probably helped, you know, the, the belief, you know, the clarity in our mind that things are going to work out well. And and on top of all the plans and the product developments and all that, the things that, you know, we've developed over time, I think this is just the, the spirit that, 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 you know, you're going to be successful uh, will definitely drive you through uh, success and difficulties. Thank you very much, Frederick. Uh, Dan, my quick takeaway, just to build on what Fred just said, there's methodical and there's go with your gut. And if you have both partners that can embody both, you got to be a powerful team. Fred Wall, a paramedic. Thanks so much for stopping by, Fred. I really enjoyed your story. Thanks for having me. And Josh, next week, uh, it should be fun. We're going to talk about cars with Holland Auto. Uh, absolutely. Holland Automotive Group. Uh, been around a long time. Should be fun. All right. Today's Entrepreneur, Monday nights at 7 p.m. at CJAD. Don't forget to visit our website, todaysentrepreneur.org, for a decade worth of entrepreneur stories just like this one. We'll see you back here next Monday night. Have a good night.